You ready for the word this morning? Father, we thank you. We give you praise for your healing power, for your touch. Lord, for, for touching Tom. Lord, and healing him and healing my ear, Lord, and I'm just standing on the promises and that you're going to heal Vicky. And you've already healed her once, God, and you can do it again. God, there's others that you've healed in this place. And Lord, we've got a wall full of people who are expressing the goodness of God to build our faith. And Lord, we just stand together as one body in one mind and one accord in unity and harmony, believing and standing on the promises of you the promises that you gave us in your word. Promises for everyone. Every promise for everyone. We thank you for it, God. I, now I pray that you would speak through me the word that you've given to me. Lord, that it would be your heart and not mine. Lord, that it would be your words and not mine. Lord, and that they would see you and not me. And I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 The Rock, titled this message this morning, The Rock. Just so you know, if you want to go see that rock, you can go see that rock. That rock is in Northern California, on the coast, a place called Jenner. It's where the Russian River meets the Pacific Ocean. That's called Goat Rock. Been there many times as a, as a youngster. It's a cool place. The beach is so cool. It's really dark sand. So, but if you want to go there, you can go there. Take a trip there. Make sure you take a coat. <laughs> when my wife and I were, well, we were, I think we had just gotten out of the military. We were, I forget exactly when, but we were in, at my mom and dad's. And I told my wife, I said, well, let's go over to the coast. We're going to go over to the beach. Well, her idea of the beach and my idea of the beach at that particular point in time were not the same. Because, see, I grew up around that. And so I knew that when you go out to the coast, you always take a sweatshirt, you always take a coat because it's always wet. It's always, even when the sun is shining, it's cold. My wife was not happy with me because she assumed that it was going to be the beach like at Santa Cruz or at Pismo or down in San Diego. So, but that's a rock. How many of you ever collected rocks when you were kids? Anybody collect rocks? Any of you still have your rock collection? Yeah. Anybody ever climb a rock? Climbing rocks? I was telling uh, Damon yesterday about a time when I was in the Air Force. I got put on, I, I must, I, and I know it had to be because my boss didn't like me. And he put me on this team. It was called the Disaster Preparedness Response Team. And what we did was we took care of disaster response for the base, whether it was an aircraft going down or uh, if there was a nuclear accident, uh, we would decon, you know, we learned how to decon, decontaminate and how to check for radiation and, and, and how to search a grid pattern for body parts. Yeah. Uh, we actually got called out one time. We had a B-52 one morning. A B-52 uh, had a fuel control valve problem, and it exploded while it was doing touch-and-goes. And um, it woke us up. Um, all of a sudden, the house shook. 
And this is in Upper Michigan, and my wife says, what was that? And I said, that's probably just an earthquake, and I rolled over and went back to sleep. <laughs> a little bit later, I got a phone call. Yeah, you're on standby, DPST. And we eventually ended up going out, and we had to walk the runway. It was a 12,000-foot runway, and we, start, we started at one end and walked from north to south. And as we got to uh, pretty near... Just, just north of midway through, uh, we started finding rivet heads, and little bits of chunks of aircraft aluminum and little bits and pieces. And as the further we walked, the pieces got bigger and bigger and bigger. And as we were at one point, we walked past one of the wings, I mean the whole wing. And then, so it was... It, but... I said all that to say one of, the, one of the benefits was they taught us how to repel. In the first place that we repelled, we went to a rock that was near the university. It was a 60-foot rock, and they had us repel down the side of the 60-foot rock. And how many of you ever repelled? How many of you ever want to repel? <laughs> I wasn't sure, and as I had my harness on and, there, and I was latched in and had the rope behind around my back and I was backing up to the edge of that rock. I was a little leery. It's like, that's a long way down. And as, but as I got out there, I started putting my, you know, I realized, hey, I'm pretty secure here. And so I got a little more, what's the word? I got a little more um, confidence. Yeah, I was a little more confident in what was going on. And so I started walking down the rock and then as my confidence built, I started going, you know, it was cool. We had a good, enjoyed it. And then later on, after we did that, then they took us to a 100-foot cliff that was not too far away. And that was even better. 100-foot cliff going down. Yeah, this is fun. Rocks are great things. I remember uh, I was growing up. They still have them. There's, uh, ever seen the shirt that says, Go Climb a Rock? It's from the Yosemite Mountaineering School. It says, go climb a rock, picture of a rock, somebody climbing a rock, you know. Anybody ever have a rock tumbler when you were a kid? Yeah, they're kind of useless, <laughs> unless you're really into rocks. <laughs> you know, you put the rocks in there with, a, with sand, and they, you run it and, it, and it tumbles the rocks and polishes and smooths the rocks and makes them all nice and shiny and pretty. And, you know, my brothers had one when I was a kid, and... The, the part about it that I didn't really like is you got to run the thing 24 hours a day. <laughs> Hard to sleep with a rock tumbler in your room. <clears throat> some rocks are beautiful, some rocks are ugly, depending on your point of view, depending on your perspective. I know some rocks, people, that, that when this, once they're polished, that, that you know, women covet. <laughs> you know... Those pretty clear ones. <laughs> the ones, the ones, by the way, that aren't quite as rare as everybody is led to believe. But it seems De Beers has the market cornered, and they can charge whatever price they want. What was it, Carol Channing? Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Yeah. So pretty rocks, expensive. Again, depends on your perspective. If you're a lady, that's great. If you're a man, the price is not so much your friend. 
But rocks, when you think of a rock, the first thought that comes to your mind, and it's probably a subconscious thought, is stability. Rocks are, are stable and firm. And that's what we're led to believe. And that's, what, that's, that's our experience, except for sometimes here in California. I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down, you know. Then it doesn't seem quite so stable. But then that, that feeling passes quickly, and then we're, okay, it's, it, all right, it's, it's, it's firm. The term rock solid, we get that solid as a rock, solid as a rock. I'm going back to the 70s, folks. These are flashbacks. This was my youth. Yeah, disco. You know? And there's some famous rocks. I'm spending a little bit of time on rocks here, if you hadn't noticed. There's some famous rocks. You know, that's not so famous unless you live in that area. That's goat rock. But then there's some real famous rocks. One of them in particular is not too far from here. A couple hours is, is El Capitan. Solid rock of granite in Yosemite Valley. People climb that. It's 3,000 feet of rock. Straight up. And people climb it. I think in some places it goes this way. It's 3,000 foot. It's, a, it's one rock. It's not a series or a, a bunch of rocks. It's one rock. Then there's Uluru, or Ayers Rock, in Australia. And it's the world's largest rock. And it's 1,145 feet tall. But its circumference, I mean, remember what circumference is. Take it back, you know, circumference. All the way around, all the way around is... 5.84 miles and 1,145 feet tall, one rock. Big rock. And this rock particularly is really known because it changes colors from blue to violet and then flaming red in the morning. So if you ever want to go see Uluru or Ayers Rock, you're going to have to make a trip to Australia where eight of the most ten deadly snakes live. And uh, equally as many spiders. I never want to go to Australia. Then there's the Rock of Gibraltar. Everybody's heard of the Rock of Gibraltar. You know, you just look at the Prudential commercials and you see an image of the Rock of Gibraltar. The Rock of Gibraltar is the highest rock in the coast of northern Spain, and it belongs to the United Kingdom. And it's 1,396 feet high. There's also another rock. It's called Sugarloaf Mountain. It's one of the biggest rocks. It's located in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And it's 1,299 feet tall. Rocks, rocks. And then, 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 there's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. It's a famous rock, right? Can you smell what the rock is cooking? Right? He's a famous rock. Then there's one that, that was famous if you happen to be of an older generation, Sergeant Rock. 
Comic book character, Sergeant Rock? Yeah, he was. I worked with a guy who was, who was built like a rock, and so they nicknamed him Rock. Rock Petty. Bob Rock Petty. When I was in England. Also, there's another rock that we know that it's not too far away from here. Moral rock, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Alcatraz. The rock. You know, where supposedly nobody could escape from. And several people did. I don't know if they actually survived, but they escaped, but they escaped nonetheless. But it's called the rock. And then there's also another rock. Found in Psalm 118.22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The rock, Christ Jesus. The rock. That is a stable rock. That is a steady rock. That is a sure rock. One of the interesting things about this scripture is it talking about that has become the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The stone at the foundation of a corner, the first, in other words, it's the first stone laid on the corner, it determines the shape. It discern, its shape determines the shape of the building. So if it's all, then the building is going to be all. But if it has nice clean edges, it has clean edges and it has good angle, then the building will have good form. Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our rock. And his shape determines our form. Glory to God. His shape. I wanted to, to I, I woke up last week, I think it was, I woke up in the, in the morning and I was preaching this as I was dreaming. It happens once in a while. But the, how many of you know what an acrostic is? Acrostic is a, is a word that you take and for each letter you have, right, different thing. I've made an acrostic this morning of rock. Rock. And the R in rock, because Jesus is our rock, the R for the rock of Christ stands for righteousness. He's the rock of righteousness. His righteousness, we put on his righteousness because our righteousness is his filthy rags. We put on his righteousness. Again, going back to the cornerstone. It's his righteousness, not my righteousness. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock. He is work is perfect. For all his ways are justice and a, good, and a God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. He's righteous. He's the cornerstone that we build on. We build on his righteousness. Psalm 145, 7, they shall eagerly, eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. We shout of his righteousness. We look joyfully to him for his righteousness. 
Your righteousness is of no effect. Your righteousness is going to get you nowhere. Well, it will get you somewhere. But it's kind of hot. Gosh, it's hot. Reminds me of the, the com- comedic group back in the 70s, late, six, late early 70s. It's called Isaac Air Freight. And they did a little skit called uh, About the Lake of Fire. And they kind of used a game show thing. And you've won an all-expense-paid trip on the Lake of Fire. You can use your asbestos water skis. I'm sorry, there's not going to be any skiing. But it's going to be hot. And our righteousness will take us there. That's why we have to put on the righteousness of God. The O in rock stands for... The one who makes all things new. The one who makes all things new. Revelation 21.5, and he who sits on the throne said, who is it that sits on the throne? Christ sits on the throne. Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. I'm not lying to you. It's true. I'm making all things new. Not only is he going to make a new heaven and a new earth, but he makes a new you. The one who makes all things new. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 18. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, what's the therefore, therefore? Because we no longer see Christ in the flesh anymore. Why don't we see Christ in the flesh anymore? Because he died, he rose again, and he was translated and transfigured back to who he was, really is. Back into his deity, deified form. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, because Christ died, if you are in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So because we are new creatures, it is therefore incumbent upon us to reconcile people, it's our job. The one who makes things new now lives and resides in you. And now it's your job and your responsibility to help make others new. But a lot of people don't want to do that. Well, I'm new, I'm good. Every man for himself. No. No, it's not every man for himself. You are your brother's keeper. The one who makes all things new. The sea and rocks for compassionate. Compassionate. Psalm 103.8. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger. 
and abounding in compassion and loving kindness. He's compassionate. Often we're not. But if we take on the nature of being new in Christ and we're building our house on the cornerstone of Christ, then compassion, it should be a hallmark of each and every one of us. I'm not getting a lot of amens this morning. Maybe it's because we're not so compassionate. And the Holy Spirit's touching a nerve. You know, hello, be more compassionate. Be more compassionate. Goes back to, this goes to what we've been studying in Philippians on Wednesday nights. Not looking on the things that pertain to us, but diligently and honestly and looking about and looking for and interested in the things of other people. Being compassionate. We've got to be interested in others. We've become a society of we're not interested in anybody else but us. And unfortunately, it seeps into the church. We've got to keep that out. We've got to be aware and alert and constantly and vigilant to keep that out. We have to be compassionate. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 6 Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. Paul was writing this, talking about himself right here. We're suffering. Nobody's immune from suffering. But when we are comforted, now we have the ability to seek those out who need comfort. And it's our job, again, to comfort those who need comfort, not to kick them when they're down. Or say, sorry, but you're on your own, bud. Comfort. So the first three, first is what? The R is what? Righteous. The O, the one who makes new. C, compassionate. And number four, the K. He's the king of kings. Glory to God, he's the king of kings. Of all the kings there ever were and all the kings that there ever will be, Jesus is king of all of them. Revelation 17, 14. 
These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them because He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with Him are called chosen and faithful. And who are they? Us. You and me. You and me. He's the King of kings, and He's chosen you and called you faithful. Glory to God. The king of kings has called you. He's chosen you. So if you think that you don't matter, think again. Because the king of kings and the Lord of lords chose you. He called you by name. He knows how many hairs or how many you don't have on your head. My best friend told me, he saw a picture, I showed him a picture, or I sent him a picture, and he told me, he goes, wow, you've got a six head too. What's a six head? It's a forehead that's gone back to six. (laughs) It's like, oh, I get it. Not quite so funny, though. First time I'd seen him after, I don't know how many years, I mean, a long time. This is when we were living in Sacramento. He and his wife and kids came to our house in Sacramento. And uh, I hear, you know, knocks on the door, open the door. The first thing he says to me, he says, boy, you're bald. He says, what did he say? Oh, he says, boy, you're gray. I looked at him and said, boy, you're bald. You can say that with your best friend. You can't say that to anybody else. But God chose me. God chose you. And he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. Don't let the enemy tell you that God doesn't care and that God doesn't have anything for you to do. God has much for you to do. He's called you faithful. He's called you chosen. You're his. You're his. And you know the best part about it? He is mine. I can say that he is mine. Thank God that he is mine. So what do we do with this? What do we do with the rock? We build on the rock. He's the cornerstone, so we build on that. We build on his righteousness. We build on him making all things new. We build on his compassion. We build on him being king of kings. That's what we build on. We build on the rock, Christ Jesus. In Jerusalem, by the way, I've been there. And I'll tell you every chance I get. (laughs) Jerusalem's a beautiful city. I mean, it's gorgeous. When you come up over the hill and and you crest that hill and you can see Jerusalem out over across the valley from the Mount of Olives, it's like, wow. It glows. 
Well, there's a reason that it glows. See, in Jerusalem, buildings can only be built from Jerusalem stone. That's all they can be built out of is Jerusalem stone. That's why they all look the same. That's why they're all the same color, because <laughs> it's Jerusalem stone. Jerusalem stone is a name applied to, a various, to various types of pale limestone, dolomite, and dolomitic limestone common in and around Jerusalem and that have been used in buildings since ancient times. And one of these limestones called Melki has been used in many of the region's most celebrated structures, including the Western Wall. And when this Melki is, is mined and it's taken, when it comes out of the ground and it's exposed to the air, it turns the yellow color that we see, that, that yellow color of the stone, that hue that it is, and it hardens. It gets hard when it's pulled out. They can only use that kind. That's what makes Jerusalem such a beautiful city. I can, I can understand why Jesus, when he came, when he walked and he looked at Jerusalem, it was just, I, I long to gather. I long to gather. I was going to show you a picture of it, but I didn't have, the only pictures that, really good pictures that I had were, were from a distance from the Mount of Olives, and then the ones that were close enough to, to really see that it was at night. <laughs> so... But, yeah, if you really want to see it, I'll show you those pictures at some point. I showed, I showed them before, but you may have to show them again. But they built on a certain kind. And just like in Jerusalem where you can only build with one type of stone, as a Christian, we can only build on one kind of rock. Only one. If we try to build on anything else, it's going to be cattywampus. That's the technical term. It's not going to be right. It's not going to be straight. Maybe straight for a little while. It's kind of like building, uh, putting a wall, building a wall, you know, brick, do a brick wall or a block wall without having your little guideline. <laughs> You might start out straight, but by the time you get to the end, you're way over here. It's the same way when we're building our lives as Christians. If we're not building it on the truth of the word, which is Jesus Christ, then it's going to end up off in some places. Or it might do this. You know, you go off and you come back, off and come back. We've got to build on the only true rock, Jesus Christ. 1 Samuel 2.2, 2, no one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. There is no rock, there is no God like our God. That's why I love singing that song. Psalm 95.1, oh come, let us sing for the Lord, for the Lord, excuse me, I'm going to back up, just slow down. Oh come. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. 
Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. The stability of our salvation. The foundation of our salvation. The unmovable rock of our salvation. Our restoration to God the Father. Our reconciliation is based on Jesus Christ, the rock. Matthew 7, 24 to 27 says, So everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man, a far-sighted, practical, and sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods and torrents came. And the winds blew and slammed against the house, yet it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish or stupid man. It's one of my favorite words. (laughs) Who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods and torrents came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great and complete was its fall. You build your life on anything other than the rock, Christ Jesus. You're unstable. You're unstable. You might think that you're stable and you feel some stability in your life, but as soon as something comes up, as soon as the drama hits in your life, fall all apart. Oh, no. My wife and I, we don't do drama. We despise drama. So let me say this. If you have drama, keep your drama. (laughs) Don't bring your drama to my house. You go to God with your drama. And then you redo the footings in your life. Redo the footings. You know what footings are, right? Right? Part of the foundation, the footings. It determines the structure and how stable it is. And if when drama hits and you're up and down and all around, you better go back and figure out where it is that your footings have come unglued, where your footings have been cracked, where they've been eroded, and fix those by the blood of the Lamb. Because you got to build it on firm foundation. Let me tell you this. And sometimes the firm foundation that you need is not some of the things that you hear from a pulpit. Sorry, but it's true. Just because a preacher is on TV doesn't mean that everything he says is true. But yet people will, are flocking to them, and they're, they're putting them up on pedestals, and, oh, this person is such a wonderful preacher. And they don't bother to actually listen to what they're saying or examining the life behind
It's the behind-the-scenes stuff that are getting people into trouble. I'm not going to mention any names. But I'm just telling you that you have to build on the firm foundation of the Word of God. And the Word of God is Jesus Christ. You build on that, you can't go wrong. You build on that in spite of what some preachers might tell you. And you can't go wrong. Because what I know, what I know is that there is a God in heaven. And what I know is that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. Not like the NIV Bible says, his only son. Or some of the other translations, God's only son. It takes out the major portion, the power. It takes the power out of it. The only begotten son. That means he was born a man and was fully God. I know that there's a Holy Spirit who came when Jesus left and is now my comforter and is now my helper. I know that there's a heaven that I'm going to go and I'm going to live with Jesus for eternity and I'm going to receive my reward for the things that are done down here. I'm going to get a crown and I'm going to cast that crown at Jesus' feet saying, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You deserve this. There is a heaven. And I also know that there is a hell. There is a hell. And hell is expanding itself. And I know that it's my job to make sure that I take as many people out of the jaws of hell and get them on their way to heaven. That's my job. And I know that the only way to do that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, don't say anything about blood. People don't want to hear about blood. It's too gory. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if the blood of Jesus offends you because that's the only way you're going to get to heaven. And so if you're offended by the blood of Jesus Christ, get unoffended. Get over it. We went to a church one time that they had a, they had a, um, oh, what's it called? They had a consultant come in. <laughs> what a joke. Consultant came in and told them they needed to take down the crosses and they needed to cover up the stained glass. And they did it. Let me tell you. But that church went downhill for a while. Denying the very thing, the very reason that we gathered together, and you're going to hide it? It's not seeker sensitive. You might offend somebody. I don't care if you're offended by the cross. The scripture says that you will be, there will be some offended by the cross. The Christ himself was an offense.
So if we will always talk about the blood and we will always talk about the cross and we will always talk about God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, we will always talk about that. And if I stop doing that, kick me out the door. And only that. (laughs) Some of you get my meaning. But we'll always talk about those things. I will always preach about those things. I will never be ashamed of those things. Because as soon as I'm ashamed of those things, I'm done. So what are we going to build on? The rock. We're going to build on the rock, Christ Jesus. Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. See, we have to let the Holy Spirit, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, build our house. Because if we try it, and we're building in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own knowledge, in our own power, the house will not stand. We're just... (laughs) I can't say what I just thought. (laughs) I can say it this way. It's like standing on a hill, spitting into the wind. I figured some would. But you're trying to build your house, trying to build the house, and it's not built. You have the cornerstone, but then you're trying to do it on your own and in your own strength and on your own effort without the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. You're standing on a hill spitting in the wind. And what happens when you spit in the wind? (laughs) Comes right back at you. Wiping off your face. Nobody likes to be spit on. So why would we stand and spit on our own faces? got to build on the rock, Christ Jesus, and his founda- him as the foundation, him as the cornerstone. Let's build on that. Let's build on that. Let's stop trying to do it ourselves. One last scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And most of you could probably quote it, and it's not even in my notes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct you he'll guide you he'll lead you he'll take you and put you in the place that you need to be let's all stand Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. How many, anybody here that would say this morning, Pastor, I'm a believer, but 
The rock that I'm building on. I'm trying to build it on my own. And I see some areas in my life where I'm deviating from that straight line so that my wall can be straight. So that my house and my structure can be firm and solid. And I need to get rid of those things. I need to get myself back to the place where I'm building on the one true rock. If that's you, I want to ask that you raise your hand. Just acknowledge by raising your hand. Amen. Thank you for those. Thank you for those hands. You just say, I, wish, I want to get back to what I know is right. I want to get back. I don't know how I got here, but I know I need to get back to center. Anyone else? Anyone else? Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you haven't even started to build. You're not even building a house on the rock of Christ Jesus. But you need to make that right, make that connection, and turn your life and everything that goes with it over to Christ. Maybe you once knew him and walked with him and, and you've walked away, but, but you need to get back. Would you raise your hand? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that. Because God loves us. And he doesn't condemn us and he's not mad at us. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess every sin in my life. And you promised that if I confessed that you would be faithful and just and forgive me of all unrighteousness. Wash me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. And make me a new creation. I give you my life. Mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you said that prayer, welcome to the family of God. You are now a new creation. You are blood bought. You're not your own anymore. Now, those who raise their hands, I want to ask one more thing of you. If you would. Step out and come to the front. I'm going to pray for you.